Happy Sabbath, everybody. Uh, it's one of those Saturdays and Sabbaths where things are a little different for us, but we still believe that the gospel will go out some way, and I'm just praying to the Lord that he will do something amazing uh, for us. Uh, today, I come with closing arguments. We have been in this series called The New Normal, and we have discussed so many different things, and these are key ideas we have discussed. Uh, we have said that you have to keep moving. God has a certain destination for you, and you need to get to that destination. And then we said that when you are going to the destination, you have to be okay with God's way. You cannot make your own detours. You cannot make your own U-turns. You cannot go in another direction. You must go in the direction that God has intended for you. Another thing we said that as you are now going and you're okay with God's way, we argued that you must not listen to false prophets that don't profit. Not every message you hear is a correct message. And some messages you just need to throw out and, and just let them run off, off your back like, like water and just let it be and move on. Now, there are going to be times in this new normal you're going to struggle. You are going to face difficulties and challenges and you will want to weep uh, but the key issue is where are you going to be weeping are you going to be weeping by what you have lost or are you going to be weeping by the tomb when you weep by the tomb you begin to realize that the tomb is abandoned but you are not abandoned hallelujah somebody but now while you're weeping and you're struggling another argument that we brought up was there's going to be certain places that are going to be locked up. There are going to be places where you might not be able to get into. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus Christ can get into those places. Now, the hardest door that Jesus can enter is the door of your heart. And I pray this morning that you would open your heart and allow him to come in and find a residence in your heart. Uh, today, I want to bring my closing argument under the heading the great arrangement. The great arrangement. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, an arrangement is a plan on how something will happen. Now, you will understand with me that the government here locally in Jakarta, as well as uh, the whole of the country, arranged for us PSBBE. They arranged how we were supposed to work. They arranged how we were supposed to shop. They arranged how we were supposed to socially interact. They arranged pretty much our lives in such a way that we would not allow this virus to spread more than it needed to. But as you see now that the grip of Pez Bebe is loosening and in our beautiful city called Jakarta, traffic is once again coming in to the city. The Cambridge Dictionary also dis describes or defines arrangement as a plan or an agreement between two people on how they're going to handle a situation or how they will allow something to happen. For example, you go to the restaurant and you buy food. And after you buy food, obviously, you got to pay for the food. So you talk to the person you're eating food with and you tell them, listen, I will pay for the bill. They might be like, no, let me pay. But you'll be like, no, I'll pay for it. 
Now, when you have made, uh, when you allow the person to actually go ahead and pay for that, is you have made an arrangement. You have put in plan a plan of action on how things are supposed to happen. I would like to suggest to you that all of us live by arrangements. Our lives are arranged in a certain order. You have arranged your life uh, to be in this way you wake up in the morning you do this you do that you have arranged where you buy your clothes you have arranged where you buy your food uh, sometimes the arrangements are not clear sometimes you're wondering what the arrangement is you know there's an arrangement you know you are in something but you you don't know if it is really arranged like a relationship you know that you're asked to do something but you don't know the particulars and sometimes it's like that but we are always living in an arrangement right now we have an arrangement going on i'm preaching and you're listening to me that is an arrangement every part of our lives is full of arrangements but here is a question that i want to pose to you and drill in your head what is the arrangement that you're going to use in this new normal? What is the arrangement that's going to guide you as you traverse the turbulent skies and the turbulent seas of this new normal? What is going to be your plan of action? Uh, this morning, I want to uh, bring your mind to what I call the great arrangement. It's a plan that God has put in place ever since, <laughs> ever since there was a human being. It's a plan that has been there before you were born. It is a plan that's going to be here after you die if Jesus Christ doesn't come back. And so this morning, I want to propose to you what I consider the great arrangement. And if you can embrace this concept of this great arrangement, I believe, I trust that God is going to do something wonderful and amazing in your life. I, I want to read and preach from, because of lack of time, I would just want to read from John chapter 9 and beginning in, in verse 9 and ending in verse number 14. John chapter 21, beginning in verse number 9 and ending in verse number 14. I'm beginning where... John ends his gospel. I am reading a passage where things are beginning to end. It's John's closing arrangement to his book. And here I want us to read the verses that he has put forth. The text says, when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish laid out and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled in the net full of large fish. Notice now, about 153 of them. Although there were many, the net was not torn. Mm, 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 mm. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus revealed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Once again, I've labeled the sermon this morning, The Great 
arrangement. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts. Strengthen us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When Jesus was erected from Joseph Rock Al Tomb, when he did a death break and he escaped the chains of death, he met a few ladies on the way and he told the ladies, go to, listen to this in Matthew 28 verse 10, he says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me, aka tell them to meet me at the spot. Galilee was a particular spot in which Jesus had met the disciples for the first time. Uh, you remember that it was in Galilee, by the Sea of Galilee, that Jesus Christ uh, found Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and John and, and, and the sons of Zebedee there working on the sea. And there he told them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It was in Galilee that Jesus Christ had first met the disciples. And when he had resurrected from the grave, he intended and he desired to meet them again at the spot in Galilee. I want you to see that what is happening is something very crucial. The disciples had seen Jesus in Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was not the spot in which they first encountered him at. I attended a wedding once and when I attended this wedding, uh, the, the couple decided to theme the wedding and to do everything at the wedding based upon the day that they got engaged. And the reason why they chose to do this is because they wanted to punctuate and to puncture their emotion with the thought of the day that they got engaged. They wanted to remember that on this day that we're getting married, we, 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 we're getting married because of the commitment we made on that day when we got engaged. Ah, come on now, I want to tell you something here. On the Sea of Galilee, in Galilee... At this important spot, it was where Jesus had engaged the disciples in ministry. And therefore, he needed to bring them back to that point to remind them of their great commitment to him, to remind them of their great love for him, to remind them of their need to continue the ministry which he has started. Sometimes it is important to go back to the spot where it started. It's sometimes it's important to go back to those great spots in our, in our past. It is good to go back to the spot where you got your first smooch. It is good to go back to the spot where you went on vacation for the first time. It is good to go back to the spot where you got your first shoes. It is good to go back to the spot where you got your first grade and you got your first degree. It is good to go back to that spot where she said yes. It is good to go back to that spot where he said can we date it is good to go back to that spot where you decided I will exercise it is good to go back to that place where you made a certain decision in your past life because of that decision you made in your past life is needed to help you to drive you in this present moment and Jesus understood I need to take them back so that they don't go back mm, let me pause Jesus wanted them to understand you made a decision to me you made a decision for me you made a decision about me let's go back to that place so that you don't forget where 
you made the decision. Because when you can remember the decision, when you can remember where you have been, how it has been, how it was, then it will help you in how it should be in this particular moment. Oh yes, my brother, my sister. We need to remember the things that God has done in our past. We need to remember how God has worked in the past. Because there is something I need you to know. That God usually has a particular pattern of function. That means that he has made a certain plan and he has made a certain arrangement. And when you realize this arrangement, especially when you're struggling, and I know that a lot of us are struggling right now. Some of us are struggling because we have lost a job. Some of us are struggling because our cash flow is a little bit restricted. It was flowing like a river, but now it's just a little trickle. Some of us need to remember that God is the same yesterday. He's the same today and he's going to be the same tomorrow. And therefore Jesus wanted to bring them back to this old spot so that they could remember where they had been with him. You see, I want to believe and I want to imagine that they went back to Galilee after seeing Jesus in Jerusalem. And as they got to Galilee, they started to remember all the things that Jesus Christ had done for them they started to uh, jog their memory and to realize my goodness God has been so wonderful and he's been so good to us we remember that day when he resurrected a dead boy from the grave we remember how he uh, filled jars of water and turned them into wine uh, we remember in fact the text says in verse number one of John chapter uh, uh, 21 the text says uh, that the the Jesus intended to reveal himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. In fact, when you go down to verse number 2 and verse number 3, you begin to see that a group of seven disciples, the text says, Simon, Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter says to his friends, a crew of seven, he says to them, I am going fishing. And they said, we are going to go with you. And the text says that they got into a boat. And that night, they didn't catch anything. The disciples went back to the spot where they were called by Jesus. And there I want to believe that they remembered the things that Jesus Christ had done for them. One night, they are struggling with the sea. Uh, the, the waves are beating upon the boat and they, sure, they surely think that they're about to die and lose their life. <laughs> but Jesus Christ got up and he stood up and he says to the storm, shush, shut up. And I want you to understand that by listening and, and reminding and, and going back on the things that God had done for them. It gave them confidence to believe, to understand, to know that everything is going to be okay. Brother and sister, I'm here to declare to you, it is my closing argument, so I'm going to come hard to you. I'm going to come hard at you today. I want you to understand that if you want to make it in this moment of struggle, you have to go back to every encounter you have had with God. 
You have to go back to that time when God provided you what you needed. You have to go back to that time when you were sick. You have to go back to that time when you were at the airport and you forgot your passport. But somebody sent your passport and you got on the plane. You have to remember that day when she was about to say, heck no. <laughs> but you said, no, I will not take your heck no. And God worked it out and he helped you. You have to remember that day when you were sick, when you broke your ankle. But God gave you healing, healing. You have to go back to those moments because those moments are going to keep you in this moment. Oh, I wish I was somewhere where people were listening to me. So the disciples went back to the spot and you need to go back to the spot. And here Paul, the Simon says, I'm going fishing. And he tells his friends, I'm going fishing. And they say, we're going to go with you. Now, because you need to understand that the disciples were rich in knowledge of Jesus Christ. They were rich with experiences of bringing people back from the dead. They were rich with experiences of uh, leading and, 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 and teaching people about God. Uh, you remember how they heard Jesus talk about the Sermon of the Mount. You remember how they went out two by two and, and taught and they preached. In fact, they resurrected the dead and, and they were rich in like that. I would say that their spiritual bank account <laughs> was overflowing. They had all the spiritual blessings, but the reality is they had needs. You can work for God, but still have needs. You understand what I'm saying? A Christian still needs toothpaste. A Christian still needs shoes. A Christian still needs a tie, like I'm wearing one right now. A Christian still needs a phone. A Christian still needs bathing soap. You understand what I'm saying? And the disciples understood that by going out to fish, we're going to be taking care of our needs. And so they went out, the Bible says in verse number three, they got into a boat. I don't know if they ordered the boat. I don't know if it was Simon Peter's old boat. I don't know where they got the boat, but they got into the boat. They made the effort. They went out. And then they went into the right environment. And there they are at sea. I don't know what time they went out. I want to believe that it was probably around 9 a.m. 9 p.m. Because the best fishing was done at night. And I want to believe it was at night. And they're there at night. And the Bible says that that night they didn't catch a single fish. <laughs> I'm talking about zero zilch they worked all night but they got nothing for it do you understand what i'm saying that sometimes you work so hard sometimes you put in the effort sometimes you put in the energy sometimes you have a sleepless night sometimes you invest your resources and you put it all in but at the end of the day you do not get what you want great effort hear me does not always produce great resorts uh, sometimes great effort will end up in great disappointment just because you studied hard it may not mean you get an A on the grade or on the exam. Just because you're busting your tail at work, it doesn't mean that you're going to get the promotion. Just because you are investing the time in your family doesn't mean that you're going to get the appreciation that you're looking for. Sometimes adoration and adulation doesn't come. And I want you to understand that sometimes our efforts are going to meet with great disappointment. And I know, I, I know that's uncomfortable for you. You may not like that, but that's the reality of life. Here we have the disciples of Jesus. They spend their whole night. <laughs> they put all their effort, but they get no fish. 
Brother and sister, it's okay to fail sometimes. It's okay to be disappointed sometimes. It's okay not to make it sometimes. Sometimes I find that you have worked so hard and uh, at the end you get a message, insufficient effort. Just like your GoPay account loses money uh, when you need to reload it. You, you, you don't have the resources. You don't have the thing that you're looking for. And that's how it is sometimes. Yes, they went out. They went out. And some of you are going out. Going out to work. Right? It's maybe A, B. You're going this week. You rest one week. You go back. Some of you are going out. Going out of your house. Making that effort to exercise. You're doing that. In fact, they got a boat. That means that they had the right equipment for fishing. Uh, River, do you hear what I'm saying? They had a boat. <laughs> they had the right equipment. So you may have the right equipment. What I'm talking about is you may have the right degree. You understand what I'm saying? You might have the right qualification. <laughs> you might be, oh my goodness, you might have the right phone. You may have the right iPad. You may have the right computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you can still have a network problem. Because sometimes that's how it is. And I want you to understand that's how life is sometimes. But I, I got this encouragement because when I was reading the story, I discovered that these disciples, although they were disappointed, spending 10 hours out at sea the whole night. <laughs> I got an encouragement because I was reading the one writer says as they were on the sea they started to think about their absent Lord. They started to think about Jesus. They remembered, you know, it was on this sea that Jesus Christ walked on water. And I I want to believe that Peter and Thomas, you know, Thomas never left them again because you remember last week he wasn't there. But this time he says, I got to be everywhere the action is. <laughs> so I, I believe that Peter stood up. I'm not didn't stand up. They were on the boat, but they're sitting there and they're not catching fish. And they're just having a conversation as, as brothers. They're like, man, re remember that night, man, <laughs> with Jesus right here? Jesus was walking on water and I was I was so bold about it and I jumped out and I said I said Lord can I come out to you and man you know I was I was scared out of my mind because I've never walked on water before but I was walking but then I started to sink because my faith dipped <laughs> and Thomas I'm sure chimes in he says bro I remember that night you <laughs> you look like you're about to lose your mind bro how could you be like that to Jesus you should have trusted him more they were thinking about that but then the thought started to hit them we don't have the Lord anymore He's no longer with us. We don't have fish. We are fisherless fishermen. And now the thought is hitting them. What is going to happen of us? What is going to become of us? And now their disappointment is filling them even more. They are, they are, they are confused now. They, they don't understand. And, and that's how it is sometimes. When you think about what has happened in the past. And you think about your present situation. Instead of you uh, experiencing joy and, and happiness. More sadness comes. But I want you to understand that. This, this disappointment was a divine appointment. You see, ever since they accepted Jesus Christ, the disciples had never fished without Jesus. <clears throat> can I bring it to you? Can I? Can I? Ever since they accepted Jesus to follow him, they had never fished without Jesus. They had been fishers of men. 
They had been going with Jesus everywhere. They had been seeing him this and that place. And now they are attempting to fish without Jesus. <laughs> Therefore, Jesus wants them to understand, you can't fish without me. You can't succeed without me. You can go out and spend all night. You can invest in the right equipment. You can be in the right environment. You can do all the right thing. You can spend your time and invest your time. But without me, you can't succeed. Listen to me. You have to work with God all the time. And here Jesus helped them to understand without me, you can do nothing. Brother and sister, in this new normal, I've come to declare, it's my closing argument. You will not succeed on your own. You will not succeed by yourself. You will not succeed thinking, I need to put more effort and put more energy and put more. No, you will not succeed that way. As long as Jesus is behind, <laughs> you're going to be behind. As long as Jesus is in your back, you're going to be in the back. As long as Jesus is not leading the way, you're not going to succeed. And look at this. They fished the whole night. Oh, let me slow down. Let me come back to the story. They fished all night. And uh, the Bible says, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. <laughs> it was a night of struggle. But now it was the day of victory. Jesus stood on the shore, but the Bible says, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, this person that didn't know screams out at them and he says, children, because he was on the shore. They were out, children, do, do you have fish? And, 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 and they, they respond back and say, no. Now, <laughs> You know, this touched me. This point touched me because, you know, sometimes um, somebody asks you, how are you doing? And they ask specific questions. Uh, how is your ministry? Or how are you do? How did you do on the exam? Or how is your relationship? Right now, now, when things are not going good, that questions things. You understand what I'm saying? When you know things are not working out, when somebody asks you, how is it going? Oh, it hurts. And here Jesus puts a little pain to them. They're like, man, this guy doesn't know what I've been through. He doesn't know that we're out here the whole night. They probably thought he was some guy who has come to uh, buy fresh fish for his family. They, they probably thought about him, you know. And they said, man, just tell that guy, no, man. No, we don't have. And so there they are, struggling. And then the expectations of people for them make it even more difficult. Because if you know something about fishing and fishermen, you expect to come with fish. Do you understand what I'm saying? After a night of fishing. You expect to get a paycheck after you've worked. You expect to lose weight after you've dieted. you understand what I'm saying? You expect things to be better if you're telling your wife every day, I love you. <laughs> or your husband, I love you. <laughs> you expect things to change. Right. But if it's not changing, the questions of uh, analysis that come from other people can sting. And here Jesus asked the question. But you see, what I want you to understand is that the disciples needed to understand that renewed effort yields great accomplishment. So Jesus, by asking them a question, 
do you have any fish? And when they said no, he actually opened a negotiation with them. Ah, let me tell you what's happening right here. You see, when somebody tells you no, it's not time to quit. When somebody says no, don't quit. It's, in fact, the beginning point of the negotiation. It's time for you to negotiate how you're going to get past no to yes. Let me tell you something. If perhaps you are looking for chairs and you need somebody to provide you chairs, you know somebody can give you chairs, and you say, you call them up, listen, I need chairs. And then they tell you, listen, I can't give you chairs right now. You shouldn't be like, okay, I can't get the chairs. No, you shouldn't give up. What you need to say is this. Can I come and pick up the chairs? And that's going to open up a situation in which the no is going to lead to yes. You see, these disciples needed to, 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 to realize that even though they have said no, God could use the no and make it into a yes. That brought them to a situation where they realized that yes, we may not be capable, we may not be able to do it, but Jesus Christ, by them telling them, telling him no, he provides a solution. He says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find it. And the text says, so they cast the net and now they were not able to hold it in because of the quantity of fish. You see, I don't have a lot of time today, uh, so I'm trying to, to get through this today in some way. But uh, allow me to bring it to you like this. Jesus renewed, recharged their effort. Notice, Peter didn't say, Lord, uh, like years before, we have fished all night. But nevertheless, at your word, we're going to lay it down. Peter did not protest. Peter agreed to the argument of Jesus because they, by spending their night on the sea, they were like a charger unplugged from the socket. They lost all their power. You understand what I'm saying? They had no more energy. And so Jesus Christ recharged or renewed their effort by pointing them to where they needed to fish. And he said, fish on the right side. Because on the right side, I'm standing there. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. You see, when you go and follow the direction of Jesus Christ, when you trust and you obey, it's going to be okay. When you trust and you obey, Obey, you're gonna see God do amazing things for you, for your family, for your situation, whatever it is. Brother and sister, hear me carefully. When you say yes to God, you will see God do things that will blow your mind. They fished in the day and they caught many fish in the day. Conventional wisdom will tell you fish at night, but God doesn't work by conventional wisdom. God created the fish, He created the water, He created He created technique. And if you will say, Lord, it's not my approach, but it is your approach, because your approach is the best approach, then you're gonna succeed in whatever you approach. They fished. All night. Great disappointment for sure. But because Jesus renewed their effort, they achieved a great accomplishment. Brother and sister, hear me carefully. I don't know what you're failing in right now. I don't know what you're disappointed in right now. 
but be on the right side of Jesus. What that means is be at the place he's directing you to go. You can fish all night, but you'll not catch anything. But when Jesus Christ comes in the picture, he tells you the right way to go. You see, one thing that I believe we haven't learned yet, in fact, I'm still learning, is that we don't know how to follow the directions of God. When God tells us, do this, we have all kinds of argumentation and questions and, and all kinds of things we tell God. But I believe that it is time to simply do what God says. You see, we worry too much about what others think. You know, the disciples could have been, Lord, no fisherman fishes in the day. I mean, they're going to look at us as crazy. Like, come on, come on, Lord. You know what I mean? Come on. I, I mean, be, besides, they didn't even know it was Jesus. They, oh, my goodness. They're doing something at the direction of somebody who they don't know. That's crazy, right? But you see, when you have been with the Lord long enough, you begin to notice his voice. Even if it comes from something you may not fully realize and understand. Some of us, we always want to hear from the same person. or We want to read from the same book. Sometimes it is good to listen to somebody else. Sometimes it is good to go to another website. Or sometimes it is good to join another group. Because God works in mysterious ways. But I want you to understand that when you go to that place, you are going to succeed. And you are not going to fail. Now, what I love about the story is that the moment they realized that they had caught the fish, a great insight sparked. This great accomplishment led to a great insight. The text says, Thomas, uh, the text says in verse number seven, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, <laughs> therefore, said it is the Lord to Peter. Wait a minute. Um, fish. Many fish. Miracle. Oh. <laughs> Peter. It's Jesus. Amen. It is the Lord. <laughs> the disciple saw through the miracle to the miracle worker. Amen. The insight is Wait a minute. This has revealed to me who Jesus is. Brother and sister, hear me carefully. The miracle is not the most important thing. It is God in the miracle. We want the miracle, but we get stuck on the miracle. But here I see a great insight. Is that this disciple says, you know what, Peter, Peter, this got to be the Lord. Sometimes it's got to be the Lord. It, it's not the doctors. It is not the policeman. It is not your family. It is not your friend. When you see what has happened, you simply say, it is the Lord. <laughs> Can you know when it is the Lord in your life? Can you know when the Lord has come through? Brother and sister, this is what I'm talking about today. You see, when you grow in depth and in knowledge with God, you should be able to say, man, <laughs> Elder Revo, Gunawan, Frankie, <laughs> uh, hmm, let me tell you, it had, it couldn't have been anybody else but the Lord. Man, I was broke. I didn't have money. I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. But man, I saw my, I saw that bill cleared. True story right here. Uh, my sister owed $22,000 after a, a, a medical, uh, a medical operation. 
I don't know how it happened. But the, the, the story goes according to the testimony of my sister. She got a call from the hospital. And the hospital says, we were looking for patients who we could clear their bill. And if they, if we think that you should be the one. After that, you, you, should not be, you, should, you shouldn't be like, man, you know, I, I fished all night and, you know, I, I, I talked to the, mm -mm -mm -mm. After that, you're able to say, you know what, this is the Lord. Amen. And this is what I want to happen in your life in this new normal. To be able to say, you know what, it is the Lord. Can you see the hand of God in your life? Can you see him working things out in your life? Because if you can't see him working things out, then I'm telling you, you are on a higher plane than most Christians. Many of us, we are wondering, where is God? Many of us, we're wondering, does God hear prayer? I'm here to tell you, yes, he does. And he wants to answer your prayers. But when God does something in your life, <laughs> you should be able to say, it is the Lord. Man, I don't have time, but I'm going to get there. So, Peter hears, John, it's the Lord. It's the Lord, man. The text says, Peter dressed himself because he is stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Now, this is crazy. You don't put on your suit and you don't put on your clothes and then go and swim. You know what I mean? You don't do that. This is crazy. Why, why did Peter dress up to go swimming? <laughs> you usually dress down to go swimming. But the point is this. When Peter was, fi was, 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 was fishing, he had to keep going into the water he had to keep diving in to check the net so he had to keep diving in so he had to take off his outer clothing and so he was basically almost kind of naked in fact the term in the in the he in the greek it, it's it's gymnos where we get our word for gym so peter was like at the gym where he was simply dressed so what he did was he simply wrapped himself in such a way that when he jumped in the water when he got to jesus jesus didn't need to do an anatomy class on him you understand what i'm saying he wanted to make sure that everything is covered. So that is why he dressed up. And here's, it, here it is, my brother and my sister. When you have seen Jesus, when you know that it is the Lord, you cannot stand still. Amen. There is no way that we are in church and the Lord has spoken to you. You say, amen, amen. When the Lord has spoken to you, you say, amen. You say, hallelujah. This is how it is, brother and sister. Some of us, we're too cute. Here, culture tells us, don't say amen in church. You know, we're Asians and this and that. Praise the Lord for your culture. I love it too. But sometimes when God has spoken to you and he has, he has done something, you have to walk a little bit differently. Somebody has to say, hey, brother, you talk different. Brother, you sound different. Brother, you walk Yeah, I want you to know God has worked in my life. So Peter jumped in to go to Jesus. He got there. But the text says the other disciples came by the boat to Jesus. One went and swam. Sometimes you got to swim to Jesus and you got to swim. But the others came in the boat. It doesn't matter how you come to Jesus. Whether you come by the boat or you come by swimming, Jesus loves you the same. You understand what I'm saying? As some of us, we need to jump in and go to Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Today, you might need to take a plunge and say, you know what? I have never accepted Jesus Christ in my life. I have never been baptized. I've never done Bible study. I don't give as I should. Today, I'm just going to take the plunge and dive and go to Jesus Christ. Because when you have the inside of Jesus Christ, you, all you do is you want to get a little bit closer. Some of you, yes, you need to stay on the boat and be with the fish and make sure that the fish comes safely to land. It doesn't doesn't matter how you get to Jesus but just get to Jesus so the disciples they get to Jesus Christ 
And when they get to Jesus Christ, what happens is that this insight that they had about Jesus, it crystallized what I call the great arrangement. Hear me carefully. When they get to Jesus, the Bible says when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Let me break it down for you. The only other time you hear about a fire in the Gospel of John is on the night that, that Simon Peter rejected Jesus. But now when they get to land, the first thing that they see is a fire in the day. Peter denied Jesus in the fire at night. But now here it was a fire for renewal. Jesus Christ wanted to say to Peter and to the disciples, I am here now again. I accept you. Listen to me, my brother, my sister. Some of you have been staying away from God because of what you feel you have done or how things are going on in your life. Look at Peter. He denied Jesus, but he did not allow Jesus to, he did not allow his denial of Jesus to keep him away from Jesus. He jumped in and went to Jesus because he understood there is no other place I can go to but Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, if you take the plunge today and you go to Jesus, you're going to see a fire. A fire not to burn you, but a fire to bless you. God wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to change things in your life. And I want you to understand that the first part of this great arrangement that we have with God is that we are accepted by him, by him, just the way we are. And when we accept, when we accept the acceptance that God has accepted us with, we will see changes happen in our life. So when they get there, when they see that there's a fire so, wow, the Lord has, has provided. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Now, some people think, oh, here Jesus was trying to supplement uh, the breakfast that he had prepared. No. And this is why I want to come back to the point of why it was important for John to stay with the fish on the boat. You see, before they could eat, the breakfast that Jesus had prepared, I'm going to talk about it in a moment. They had to make sure that they brought the net safely to land. Because Jesus wanted him to understand that you are not only accepted, but you must pay attention to the fish. And to make sure that the fish come safely to land. You might think that this was simply a fishing expedition. No, it wasn't. This was actually Jesus reminding the disciples that you are no longer simply fishermen. You are fishers of men. This is the arrangement. This is what he's trying to let them know. You must make sure that you pay attention to the fish. Don't allow a single fish to go back into the sea of intellectualism and mysticism and materialism and all the isms. Don't, don't allow them to go back to that fish. Bring them safely to land. Because he wanted to understand you are the only people that I can pay attention to the fish. Brother and sister, that is the arrangement that God has created. The church, as a Christian, you are a fisherman. And you need to make sure that you're doing your part to pay attention to the fish. And make sure that the fish don't go out. Make sure that the fish stay in. In this new normal, I want you to understand, we need to figure out how we're going to still catch fish. Because that is the duty. And here Jesus is saying, before you can eat the fish, 
you need to bring the fish in. And the question is, are you bringing in the fish? Are you bringing in the fish? Or are you eating fish? Mm -hmm. Some of us, we just eat fish all the time, Sabbath after Sabbath. You eat the fish of the sermon. You eat the uh, fish of, of, of music. You, you go on YouTube and find sermons that, that benefit you. Eating fish, eating fish. Yeah, you, you want a Bible study, pass a Bible study. Eating fish, eating fish. When are you going to bring in fish? That's the arrangement. We are the fishermen of God. And we need to make sure that we bring in the fish. And what I love about the story is that there were so many fish, 153. The point is you need to pay attention to the details. If you know that somebody hasn't been coming to church or you haven't seen them, pay attention. Give them a call. I was encouraged yesterday when I got a call. Pastor, I just want to pray with you. I said, wow, this is good. For me, I felt good because I was like, wow, somebody's actually paying attention to me. That's it. That is what we need to do. And that's what Jesus, Jesus is telling the disciples. Take care of the fish. But remember, the net will never break because we, we do this together. And now, after they've been accepted, Peter has been accepted by the fire. And he has told them to pay attention to the fish. Now, Jesus was aware of their need. They had been hungry. Notice, they worked all night. They didn't eat anything they didn't catch anything and Jesus says come and have breakfast because he was aware of their needs how nice it is when you have worked and you've done something you've expended energy you go back home and you find that food has been prepared for you you didn't ask for the preparation but the food has been prepared for you because somebody was aware of your needs. You see, I have experienced this great arrangement at JCC many times. And sometimes after power hour, you know, you're busy talking to people and you're hungry. I'm always hungry after power hour. Yo, let me tell you the truth. I'm testifying right now. I'm always hungry. <laughs> Looking forward to potluck. But sometimes uh, there are greater hungers. I must satisfy. And I'm there trying to do this and that. And sometimes I'm not even able to make it to the potluck room, but there's always a kind soul somewhere who is aware and, and will come to me and tell me, hey, pastor, I, I put food aside for you, or pastor, here is food. And here's what I always remember. As, as I'm doing the task of the Lord, the Lord is aware of my needs, and he takes care of what I need. And that's what I want you to understand, that this is the greatest arrangement we have with God. That as we do his will and his purpose and his mission, he is aware of our needs. God knows you need that masters. God, God knows that you need that financial breakthrough. God knows that your family is struggling. God knows that you need a new pair of shoes. God knows your needs. But allow me to tell you this, this way today and make it clear to you. The arrangement is this. When you work for God... He works for you. And too many of us, we're too busy working for ourselves and we never work for God. But unfortunately, what we work for ourselves, we tend to lose. But if we work for God and we put the energy and the effort on working for God, you will see all of your needs supplied. You will not be in want. You will not be in need. He will be there for you at every step of the way. You will see things happen just like that. Brother and sister, I'm a living testimony. I never knew where I would go to school 
school to study theology. I never knew how I'll pay for it. I never knew where I would work. But I didn't, I didn't need to worry about that. All I needed to do is say, Lord, I'm here, ready for work. And the Lord just provided this and he provided that and this and that. That is how it works. That is the arrangement. That when we work for Jesus, he works on our needs. When we do for God, he does what needs to be done. Too many of us, we are focused on ourselves. And, and that's why I think that this new normal can be a little difficult to deal with. Because if you're thinking about yourself and what you need, then when you have lost what you, what you need and you, you're not getting it, it, it'll be a struggle, it'll be a challenge. But if you can say, you know what, Lord, right now I just want to focus my attention on my channel on you and figure out what can happen and what should be done. And, and you lead me and you guide me. If you can do that, you will see amazing things happen in your life. This is my closing argument today to tell you about the great arrangement. And if you can adapt this concept in your life, you will see great and amazing things happen that you have never wished for. And I want to challenge you this week to remember this simple concept, the great arrangement. Remember this as you're going throughout the whole, the, the, throughout your day and doing different things. Remember this when you write on your sticky notes. Remember that right, right there. I am a worker for God. I do this for God. Uh, post it on Facebook. Hashtag it. Whatever you need to do. And say, you know what? I'm in a great arrangement with God. We are working together. Because when you work together with God, you will never fail. When you work together with God, he's going to provide all that you need. Brother and sister, the new normal is here. But we don't have to be beaten by the new normal. We're going to overcome. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you and bless you in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to have de declared your word. And I pray that somebody would have understood something today and they're inspired to live for you and live for Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know what it is you have envisioned and that you have planned for our lives. But I pray, Father, that you will do the great and awesome things that need to be done in our lives. Father, we thank you for the great arrangement that if we work with you, We'll never fail. If we work with you, you're going to provide what we need. If we do what you are asking us to do, we're going to be all right. And so, Father, please bless us today and strengthen us today. This is my prayer. This is my hope. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen.